To say that our world has come to a crossroad of sorts would be an understatement. We are coming into some uncharted and unprecedented waters. And I'm going to talk about that on today's program. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. And welcome to our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. I've been looking at some news stories this week. And I was going to share some of them, but I decided against it. I want to go into a different vein to illuminate the challenges that we truly face, not just in the Western Hemisphere, not just in Europe, but literally on a global scale, a global scale. We are coming into what I consider uncharted waters, unprecedented, unprecedented times. There's no doubt in my mind. I watch the news media. I have for many, many years, decades. And increasingly, the mainstream media in the United States, in Canada, the United Kingdom, Australia, it is all corporate, it is all global, it is worldwide, and they're liars. They are unmitigated, unrepentant, propagandist liars. It is getting very difficult to be able to sort fact from fiction and truth from just a pure lie. The Associated Press. I used to have a great respect for the Associated Press. Early in my broadcast career, I worked in news, in radio, and I submitted and had put out many stories that went to the Associated Press. But today, I don't trust much of what they write because there's an there's a built-in anti-God anti-life, anti-common sense bias built in. It's all about one political agenda, and it's all about abortion on demand. It's all about transgenderism. It's all about the evils that are permeating our society. They promote as factual as as what we need to achieve and, and, and subscribe to. Even many of our church bodies are thoroughly compromised. And if you've listened to my program for any length of time, maybe you're a new listener on WTWW. And I'm gonna, I may say something right now that you may say, you can't say that or I don't believe it. Well, you better believe it. Let me preface this by saying I have been in ministry now for 25 years. I may be 69 years old. I may have gone into ministry later in life. But I've lived a life as well. And I've seen this world. I've watched it over these many, many decades. And I've watched its slow decay. It is the proverbial frog in the cold water being slowly heated up and boiled to death. If we suddenly, 50 years ago, in 1973, were promoting overnight transgenderism, butchering of bodies, men in women's bathrooms and sports... If we were doing that 50 years ago or saying men can get married at the church, two men can get married, we wouldn't put up with it. We would have rebelled immediately. But no, slowly and systematically, we have been conditioned and worn down to accept evil within our camp and tolerate it. Well, I'm going to tell you something. Once you let evil in, and look the other way, evil will have its way. What is that old saying? Give 
the devil an inch and he'll become your ruler. And this is what has happened in the United States. We have become a fallen and ready to be judged nation. So has England. So has Canada. So is Germany, France, Italy, all of it are ready to face the justified wrath of God. Church bodies that used to have integrity no longer have any integrity. They have abandoned the gospel. They spit in the face of Jesus Christ. They mock his word. And God will not be mocked. Oh, they may run around with their fine stained glass window investments. But I thankfully watch their their congregations generally getting older and dying off. And that's a good thing. Some of these churches, like the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America, the Episcopal Church here in the United States, the Church of Canada, the Church of England, that fired an employee that was a teacher who stood for biblical values, they threw her out and they uphold the Antichrist values. They're no longer a church. They are really the synagogue of Satan. So is the Evangelical Lutheran Church in America. Much of the Methodist Church, the Presbyterian Church, they're no better. They have adopted the things of the world and they have cursed the name of Christ and they use the name of Christ and they don't care. They become delusional thinking that men can become women and women can become men. They have adopted what I have told you before. Listen to me carefully on this. This is nothing but recycled paganism. And pagan gods are satanic gods. The goddess Diana. You worship the earth. This uber-environmentalism that goes beyond the pale is earth worship. And the Bible forbids it. Do not worship the creation. Worship the creator. Transgenderism, Ishtar, Ishtar, the goddess that can make a man a woman and a woman a man. Moloch, who demanded infant baby sacrifice for you to have a wonderful and prosperous life. Does it sound familiar? Does it sound like the world in which we live? There's a Roman Catholic priest, and I have a lot of issues with the Roman Catholic Church, but I want to point out something. And once again, I may get you mad. And if I do, I'm sorry, but I've got to tell you the truth. Because if I don't tell you the truth, I'm not doing the job that God has given me. I've, I can't hide it any longer. This Pope in the Vatican is an imposter. He is a fraud. He is an evil-hearted man, and, he, and you know that by his actions. You'll know them by their fruit. This is not a judgment on my part. This is strictly an observation. Father Frank Pavone, he's a Roman Catholic priest. He has been the founder of Priests for Life for, for decades. This has been his ministry, a very successful one, and they have essentially last year thrown him out from being in the ministry in other words he's just a layman again he they've they've revoked him why because he speaks out on these issues that are important and they're not important to this phony church oh they they give it lip service to a point but when the rubber meets the road and the money's involved then it changes just so you know they they look down on on certain ministries that are conservative within that hierarchy. And so on one hand, they throw out a Father Frank, 
And on the other hand, I, I read this story. You ready for this one? This really just irked me the other day. Who did the Pope have a wonderful meeting with? Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, you know Whoopi Goldberg? She's on The Spew, commonly known as The View, the TV show. She makes a lot of money, about $13 million a year. She's worth about $90 million. She is rich and famous. She was born in New York City in 1955. Her name at birth was, you know, Karen Elaine Johnson. And she changed her name for a stage name. She supposedly, she never graduated high school. She claimed she attended a local Catholic high school. She falsely claimed that her family is Jewish, Buddhist, Baptist, Catholic, none of which that she believes in anyway because she doesn't believe in any kind of man-made religions. Three times married, vowed never to marry again. She claims she had seven or six abortions. She can't remember by the time she was 25. And despite disavowing man-made religions, you know, she thinks that God gives a woman the right to kill the baby in the womb. On and on it goes. And this month, just a, about a week or so ago, she took a little vacation from The View. And she flew to Rome to meet with Pope Francis. And in an interview published by the Vatican News, she stated that she had waited for two years to thank the Pope for his message on blessing homosexual marriages and giving communion, you know, to those that should not be having communion, according to Scripture. And she was so overjoyed when she heard the pontiff state, we have to love everybody. And she concluded that Francis' position is that a person's sexual behavior is none of our business. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this, if I was, quote, the head of a large church body, there are some people I'm not going to meet with because they compromise the value of the scripture, the faith once delivered to the saints, the word of God, the ordinances of God, right and wrong are being diminished. That would include Whoopi Goldberg, the current president of the United States, Joe Biden, uh, and many others. I would just say, I'm not talking to you people. You don't listen. You are living in an antichrist state. You are doing the work of the evil one. You're not doing the work of God. And you are cursed before God. You're not entering my presence unless you repent. But no, we don't have church leaders anymore with a spine. They're like little linguine backs. They don't want to hurt anybody's feeling. There might be a little less money coming in the front door or some such nonsense. Well, I don't subscribe to any of that. And I'm sure you as my listeners have known that for quite a long time. The church, when it is compromised, ceases to be the church. The church is the living body of Christ on this earth. Yes, we are made up of sinners, but we are sinners that have repented and we turn away from those sins. We don't go and come to the church to celebrate our sin. We come to repent of them. And repent means turn away. Jesus didn't tell everybody, I forgive you, so go back out there and sin some more. He said, sin no more. 
And I don't understand why the church can't get that through its collective reprobate head, what we call the church in many places today. Worthless bodies of people just gathering in a building, doing nothing for the kingdom, and they're going to be very shocked one day as they stand before Christ and he says, I never knew you. Depart from me, you workers of evil. And I really fear this would, it's going to include this pope who is doing blessing of homosexual marriages is condemned by God. But this, this pope thinks he can undo it all. He is the spirit of Babylon. And Babylon has infected that church. And the spirit of Babylon doesn't infect just that one. It infects so many of the other ones that have allowed sin into the camp to fester and multiply like a cancer, destroying it from within. You know, I, I pity those small churches that are fighting out there to stand for the gospel. Not socially accepted anymore. Hated, despised by many. Made fun of. You know, even Barack Obama said it years ago, hanging on to their guns and their Bibles. Well, I may not need a gun, but I'm going to hang on to my Bible. Don't you dare think I don't need it. Your wisdom is the wisdom of Satan, and I have nothing to do with it. Sorry to be so strong today, but it has to be said. There's so many news stories out there. Saw this other one. I want to just share this real quick. This comes out of the city of Chicago, Illinois. A sewer of a city because of its leadership and the way things are done. They have done it on themselves. And this Chicago Democrat wants parents of out-of-control children to be fined up to $5,000 and take mandatory family counseling. Alderman Raymond Lopez introduced the ordinance during Monday's city council meeting that would require parents and legal guardians to pay for their children's crimes. Now, Mr. Chicago Alderman, let's have a little discussion here. It is your sewer of a public school that has taught our little that have taught our little children. They're teaching it every day how to be just credences and evil individuals to disobey parents. You're getting them into sexual material at inappropriate ages. You're telling them not to talk to their parents. You're telling them their parents are wrong. If their parents are conservative, their parents are evil. You're the ones that are doing it. Look in the mirror and find yourself. You're the evil ones, not the parents in most cases. Sure, there are a lot of parents out there that do a horrible job. And the worst thing they can do is throw their children into the lion's den of the public school system, especially in a place like Chicago. A reprobate school system. And so don't come after the parents. Look at the destruction you as a party have done. You've cheapened life by abortion. You want to sexualize little children. You want you want preschool teachers to determine if Johnny's really a girl and, and not a boy. Or maybe this person is gay, and you're trying to determine that in preschool? No, you are the ones that are doing evil, and you are the ones that should not be in any position of authority over anybody for anything, for any purpose, because you're ungodly and your heart is evil to the core. Family counseling, what kind of family? The two, you know, the the single parent family, the two men pretending to be mommy and daddy. Other perversions. 
This is the world in which we live. And this is the world where I do this radio program each and every week. Every <laughs> five days a week, this program goes out plus the weekend edition. Some of you only hear the program on the weekend. But we do it for a reason. I, I don't need to be talking purely politics. Let me make that very clear. I do not need to be talking politics all the time. There are plenty of people that do that nationwide and globally. They're famous. They've got big followings and they're well-funded and they got lots of commercials and they sell you stuff. If you don't believe it, you know, Sean Hannity sending me emails every day to sell me something to save me from the government and making him more to his mega millions per year. I'm sick and tired of the phony capitalist conservatives that's all about the money and the clickbait and the nonsense. I don't do it. There, There is truth out there that needs to be put out there that does not need to be compromised. And once there's too much money involved, you got compromise. I don't sell anything on this program. There is nothing being marketed here. I could very easily, I've been offered to do this multiple times. I could be selling you all kinds of stuff to get you through the tribulation or whatever else. But I choose not to do it. I could accept advertising on this program. I refuse to do it because once I have done it, then I'm beholden to those that are writing the checks. And if you're going to write a check, As an individual, I'd rather be beholden to those that support this radio program without compromise. Am I getting through? Does any of this make any sense to you? Why we do Truth to Ponder? We have some opportunity. I just want to mention it briefly. We are currently trying to expand shortwave. So far, we're there. Will we continue in November and December? It's really up to you. I'd like to even add more hours as soon as we can. I have opportunity to even have a Roku channel or a Amazon Fire channel for audio and possibly video. And if I do that, I'm talking to people that can provide educational service, teaching and other things of value to you. I'm trying to build something that lasts beyond me. If the Lord should tarry and my time comes that I need to either step aside, retire, or whatever else, I want the ministry to continue. I want truth to ponder to become something you can depend on and trust. I don't have to reinvent myself. I don't have to change the theology. It has been consistent since day one. And I don't want to be in a position of having to compromise of either. Well, I got a moment here, real quick, talking to a young man I'd like to bring to this part of the world to help me in the church work I do, and somebody that has great talent in teaching. And he could be literally both online and even pre-recorded for those that are doing homeschool. These are the kind of things that I want to see done. These are what This is what's going on in the background. And of course, we're a podcast, and as long as that door is open, I'm looking at other platforms as well, mostly Christian ones, and others that I have more control over, and I'm really praying about it. Those investments don't take much. The airtime, like I say, my time is free. If I bring somebody else into the program, that may not be the case. They may need to, you know, they may have the two bad habits of eating and sleeping indoors. 
and they'll have to make a bit of a living out of this. But for me, my needs are met. My time is free, but the airtime is not. I can remember a couple of years ago, my wife and I put a huge investment in to secure airtime for quite a while. And we may never see that return to us, but that's okay. I'm doing what God has called us to do. There, there are others out there that have blessed me beyond words to make sure that this program continues and grows. Do you support the work in which we're, what we're doing here? I really need to hear from you before the end of this month to ensure we can continue to grow into November. By the way, a lot of you are using Give, Send, Go. That's Give, Send, Go. You can find the link at our website, truth2ponder.com truth the number two ponder.com i love using gifts and go they're a christian organization and they've been wonderful for us to deal with or if you prefer you can make a check or money order payable to ancient word radio ancient word radio post office box 510 post office box 510 the city is chilhowie c-h-i-l-h-o-w-i-e chilhowie virginia chilhowie virginia 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C H I L H O W I E, Chilhowie, Virginia, and the zip code is 24319. P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, zip code 24319. And we will be right back right after we take this short break. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. Let the wicked perish. Shalom Aleichem. This is Jonathan Kahn, your Jewish connection. Bring you the riches of your Jewish roots in Jesus. Now get your pen out as fast as you can so you don't miss out on receiving a special free gift you're going to get and love in a moment. In Psalm 83, 17, David says, let the wicked perish. And we got a problem with that. We're thinking, David, what's what's going on here? I mean, you, you wake up in a, in a bad mood. You're, you're not acting very Christian, David. It seems harsh, you know. Let the wicked perish. Whoa. What about love your enemies, David? Let the wicked perish. Where's your forgiveness? Where's your compassion? Where's your understanding, David? We figure he was having an off day. Not quite. You see, let the wicked perish is a wonderful thing. In fact, it's something we all have to say. The Bible says that the old self is corrupt. Evil is corrupt, wicked, and it should perish. The sooner it perishes, the better. So it's a holy thing to want the wicked to perish as long as we say it about ourselves first. We should all pray, let the wicked perish let the wicked old man perish. Let my old self perish as quickly as possible. It's written that the old self was crucified with Messiah, but it's still up to us to crucify it and reckon it dead, perished. It starts when we hate it, with a holy hatred. See, not, not against people ever, but against sin and the old self. See, some sins never die until we get so fed up with them that we actually hate them. That we actually hate them. The old self won't either until we get so tired of it that we actually hate it. So you know what? David had something there. But we can say it about our own old self, our old life, to say, let the wicked perish, starting with me. Want more? Ask for The Power of Perishing on CD. 
Now, how often do you get something offered to you priceless, life-changing, and free? Well, here goes right now. Sapphires, as precious as it sounds, it's going to help you live a life of victory. And the incredible mystery of the temple doors on CD, you're going to love it. It's priceless and free too. How do you get this all free? Easy. Just remember Jesus's real name, Yeshua, and you dial it. So to receive your free gift right now, you just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. You will be blessed, but call now. That's 1-800-YESHUA-1. Now I invite you to join me in bringing salvation back to God's ancient nation, Israel. God says, I will bless you when you bless the Jewish people and all the unreached peoples around the world. We want to reach out to them the most incredible way you can ever impact the world for salvation. Through shortwave radio, you can blanket the earth. Amazing. Just call 1-800-YESHUA-1. That's Y-E-S-H-U-A-1. Or you can write me direct. Here's how. Just write to the nice Jewish boy at Vox 1111, Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey. Zip 07644. It's a nice Jewish boy, Box 1111. It's in Lodi, L-O-D-I, New Jersey, 07644. Well, until next time, this is Jonathan Kahn saying, let the wicked perish. Shalom Aleichem. Peace be to you, my friend, in Messiah. Sar Chaim, the Lord, the Prince of Life. This is Truth to Ponder. With Bob Bierman. And welcome back to our weekend edition of Truth to Ponder. I'm your host, Bob Bierman. This program heard as a podcast on many outlets, and I pray even more within literally weeks. Heard on WRMI several times a day, multiple frequencies. Now WTWW out of Lebanon, Tennessee at night. And also the Voice of Hope in Zambia, in the eastern part of Africa. We are blessed to have these facilities and the ability of reaching out with the Word of God. And many of you know, besides doing this radio program and just trying to get into the truth around us so you can understand what is going on under the surface, it is spiritual more than it is people. And I get, I get people mad saying, no, just voting the right people is not enough. It's being right with God that's most important. A number of you know that I felt led to start a small church here in Southwest Virginia called Trinity Chapel. It is located in a little town called Seven Mile Ford. And we have a handful of people, but we're also online. Maybe you don't have a church you can attend right now. So I'd invite you to go to TrinityChapelVirginia.com, TrinityChapelVirginia.com, and find out more about us and the outreach we have beyond our four walls. I believe that ministry is truly on the verge of growing. This past Sunday, I shared a message that was a little bit longer than I planned, but there's some stuff you really need to hear to understand the world in which we live today and where I really believe this world is going. I want you to take a few moments and join me inside the sanctuary of Trinity Chapel. Heavenly Father, as we come to this time that we gather around your word, I pray that you'll open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our hearts to receive what you have for us. And Lord, for this day, For the message you've laid on my heart, give me the power of your Holy Spirit for clarity that what I say will be understood 
by many. For this I ask in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. This week, with all the news events that started a little over a week ago, I've been thinking, do I want to address the situation in the Middle East? Do I need to wait a little bit? What can I add at this time? What should be said? What should I just avoid? And, and I thought about it, and I, I said, okay, I'll, I'll say just a few things. Because it is a very complex situation, both politically, geopolitically, and scripturally. And there are a lot of things at odds with each other in all of that. And, and how all this is going to be playing out, I can't tell you. I, I don't know. I, I, don't pre- I don't pretend to be somebody that gets up in the morning when I look at the news stories Okay, which way should I preach today? No, I want to preach what God has said, not what will get me an audience, not what will get me a following, which many do. They're out there right away with their books and their DVDs, and, and I don't do that. I don't want to ever be accused of doing that. I'll say this much, and I hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. One thing is for sure in my mind, and I've had to pray about this for years. There are a lot of dispensationalists that look at Israel and think that it's the perfect country that God has. And then I look at it and I say, yeah, God's going to do his thing through Israel. There's no doubt in my mind. But But I think we forget sometimes that Israel, as a people as Jesus himself said, are still in the synagogue of Satan. So you have this kind of, how do you balance this? You have a people that have rejected the Messiah, yet God is still going to do things through them as an example to the world. And and so I'm having a hard time trying to piece this together. I'm going, Lord, I need wisdom. And where do I, because people are going to ask me the question. I've had to deal with it in the radio program to a degree. And, and, I, and my heart is saying, don't get too deep into this right now. Let it play a little longer. And, and let what God is doing become more visible to all of us. And then the scripture that I chose for my message today is the gospel lesson. This, to me, has more importance to all of these situations, whether it be in our nation, whether it be in the Middle East, whether it be in Europe, whether it be in Asia. It doesn't matter. This narrative that we have from the book of Luke, where Jesus sent out these people, 35 groups of two being sent out, And the way I have learned it in my studies, these are the places that Jesus was to go and visit. In other words, when he did his earthly ministry and he traveled from town to town, place to place, he would visit the cities. And as one Bible professor noted, he said, it's pretty certain that the cities that Jesus visited are the ones where the spirit 
was received, where the disciples that were sent out were received. In other words, these were his messengers before him, and that's where Jesus went and spent more time, where the message would be received. Kind of makes sense. Why would you want to go to a place they don't like you? I've been to a few of those places, and I don't like it. If you think about it, what is the message we really need to have in our hearts and our minds in spite of all of the world situation? I mean, what's happening in the Middle East is one thing. Europe, another. North America, another. Out in the Pacific, out in Australia. You know, we, we have a world in, in all kinds of strange turmoil. And it hit me the other day as I'm preparing to do my radio commentary. How can it be that we live in an age with such vast volumes of science and libraries and books? You know, you, you can go to these libraries and, and, and colleges and universities, books that span a thousand or more years of philosophy, of observation, science. Technology. When I started out in electronics a million years ago, and that's how it feels some days, a million years ago, I feel like I'm a dinosaur. When I went to school in, in my first electronics tech school, the first thing I had to learn after the basics of Ohm's, the little basic stuff you have to learn, I had to learn the theory and operation, because it was vital back then, of the vacuum tube. Remember those things? In your radios, and you remember going to the drugstore, you even had a tube tester to fix your own TV set. And I'm learning how tubes work, and then they started teaching the basic transistor. Because we started having, in the 1960s, solid state. And increasingly, solid state devices, radios and TVs that didn't have to warm up was a big deal. And I remember this one guy showing me this little device, one of my instructors, and he had to know the school I went to. These guys wore their, their smocks, if you know what a smock is, and it had the Adam symbol on it because it was you know, this electronics institute. And he's showing off this device and passing it around and said, this is the future of technology. It was an integrated circuit. And not much bigger than my thumbnail. It had eight little pins on it. And I can't even remember what this particular device was supposed to do, but he said, there are 15 transistors in this thing. Hard to believe that they can get 15 transistors in this small thing. Now we do 15,000 in something smaller. Believe it or not. Look how our technology has just skyrocketed forward. Our knowledge, our science, medical science, any kind of science, the ability to do things that were not even fathomable 100 years ago. 100 years ago, AM radio barely was starting. And I look at pictures of these crude devices, and I'm thinking, how did it ever get off the ground? Then you go back 100 years before then, we hadn't even had the telegraph. 
We didn't even have the telegraph 100 years before AM radio. We had Pony Express. In 200 years, our technology has just exploded. It took 2,000 years to, we didn't even have electric lights. You know, we were doing oil lamps in the time of Christ. We were still doing oil lamps in the 1800s. 1,800 years after Christ, we are still almost living like they did in the time of Christ. Still farming, farm animals, no machinery. Medical science, we didn't even know about bacteria or germs, any of that. We knew nothing of it. But for some reason, we came into this age of wisdom, which ushered in what I call the dumb ages. It's where we live now. I don't want to talk in commentary, but let's be honest. Why are we so confused about so many things in this age of knowledge? Why do we lack wisdom in this age of knowledge? By the way, the Bible makes it clear that knowledge and wisdom are not the same thing. You can have all the knowledge in the world. It's how you apply it. You either are being irresponsible or you're using wisdom. And we live in an age today where wisdom is lacking and knowledge is just overflowing and bubbling out from everything from your television to your smartphone to your car. And yet we can't even figure out the basics of our lives and our understanding. When Jesus sent out, and this is, this is the message I really want to drive home today. He starts out in that passage, one of my favorite verses that I've used over the years in a number of things. The harvest that's out there. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, I pray to the Lord of the harvest to send laborers into the harvest. Well, that's you and I. We're the laborers. We really are. Sometimes we think the pastor is, he's the hired help. He's the laborer. And, and we just tell the pastor to go do this, and the pastor needs to go do that, and the pastor needs to find more people. The pastor, you know, I mean, I've heard that for many, many years. And as I told one church in the panhandle of Florida, when they asked me to help grow it when I was there as an associate for a year. I said, so you think it's my job to grow your church? Number one, it's not your church. Let's get that clear. I mean, I had a one-year contract, so they were stuck with me, whether they wanted me or not. And I told them one Sunday, I said, you know, this is not your church. This is Christ's church. A church is the body of Christ, the ecclesia, the called out ones, the ones here. We are called to be here. This, this place is just, a, this sanctuary, this, this building is just a place that we meet to gather, to worship, to celebrate communion and pray. and all. That's, so that is not the church. The church is the people. The pastor is the shepherd of those people. My job is to make sure 
that you are equipped and empowered and instructed. That's what the Word of God tells me my job is. And trust me, it's not an easy job. You don't want that job. I thought I did. And then I thought about it again and said, Lord, I don't really want it. And then I waited 20 years and the Lord said, too bad. You're going into the ministry in spite of your bad self. And the door opened and I realized I had no choice. But I learned something early in ministry that I took to that one church. When I said, so how am I supposed to grow your church? Am I supposed to be the one that just goes and knocks door to door? Am I supposed to be the one, you know, how do you want me to do this? Do I go into the grocery store and hand out tracts? What do you want me to do? Every one of you in a church, and in that church in particular, how many of you have at least five friends and in those five friends, do all of them go to this, to this church or do they go to a church at all? And one guy said, now that I'm thinking, I got, we, we, because of my activities, I've got, you know, we have a pretty large circle of friends. He was a retired bird colonel from the Air Force. And he was involved in a number of activities around Fort Walton Beach. I said, do me a little favor. Try to find out how many of these people go to church. He said, well, I know a bunch of them used to, but they do a lot of golfing these days and a lot of this because they're like me. We just retired, you know, pre-age 60 from the Air Force. I said, they're the ones you need to work on. That is your circle of friends. It's an easy, hated to use the word, it's an easy sell to somebody you know to invite them. I don't know your friends, so you you think I'm going to walk up to them? Hi, my name is Bob Bierman. I'm the associate pastor of the Church of the Insurrection. That's what I called it. It was the Church of the Resurrection. Um, had to know those people. And, and, I would, and I would like to invite you to come to our happy fellowship of people you never met or don't know. It doesn't work that easy. I, look, I know that I need to work on this immediate community, and I may do it in the form of an introductory letter, figure out who the names of the people are in the neighborhood here, write them a personal letter saying, you know, we are your neighbor. We don't know your circumstance, but we, we need to get to know each other. We're here. Maybe you have a church, and if you do, wonderful. Praise God. Continue to be there and support it if that's where God has called you to be. Maybe you used to be in a church, but something happened. Come home. Welcome. And then take that to the next level and the next level. Sure, there are things I can do to grow a church, and I'm more than happy to do it. But it becomes a shared responsibility. Jesus sent out the two-by-two, and... The one thing that you kind of miss, but it hits me when, when I, every time I read it, it, I'm reminded. How well equipped were those, those 70 people that went out there? From what the scripture says, not very well equipped. They went out there, as he said, like sheep among the wolves. You're going out there, you're walking in there with no money, no nothing, like lambs before the slaughter, I'm sending you out, but I'm not sending you out on your own power. 
And I think that's the nuance that we in the church today miss. Those 70 weren't out there on their own with their bare faces hanging out, walking into a town going, okay, now what? The Holy Spirit was ahead of them every step of the way. And they just had to follow instructions. Peace be unto this house. And this kind of pause. Nope, no peace here. <laughs> Get, go on to the next one. Simple instructions for a simple faith in simple obedience. And what did the disciples do when they finally got back from their journey? I'm not even sure how long. I can't even remember how many weeks or whatever it was the scholars assumed they were gone. But what did they say when they all finally got back? Jesus, you're not going to believe this. We'd say something and people got healed. We'd say something and we saw miracles. What gives? They were surprised. They were shocked. Now, I want to tie it all together because we're running a little longer than I planned. Real simple. The greatest curse that Israel ever faced was caused by one thing. Disobedience. They were put captive. They got kicked out of their land how many times? They got hauled off to Egypt. They got hauled off to Babylon. They had their temples destroyed. Was it because people were just picking on them? No, they they were being disobedient and defiant to Almighty God. They have been, according to Scripture, even in the time of Christ, yet the Bible teaches there's always the remnant. We are grafted onto that tree of life. The Bible also reminds us that those grafted, you know, let's put it this way. If the husbandry man of the, of the tree is willing to cut off branches, original branches to burn them in the fire, same can happen to the grafted ones. It's a matter of obedience. There is great blessing in obeying God. And sometimes we wonder why. Look, I know even for the most devout Christian, there's a difference between facing challenges, trials, and tribulations versus facing being admonished by God. God will get you through the trials and tribulations. But when you're being admonished and you're not repentant, don't look for any help. It ain't coming until you repent. Whether it's the United States, France, England, Israel, doesn't matter. Those words that we've heard a thousand times before, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and repent. I will hear them, and I will heal their land. It's that simple. That's the nuance we miss. We can talk about the world today, but it all starts with us. It starts with you, with me, and I have to remind myself I'm as human as you are, and I can get as mad as anybody else when things aren't going the way I want them to go. But I have to remember 
My primary job is to teach, instruct, equip. That's why we're here. We need, we have plenty of room here in this church for more people to be instructed and equipped and blessed and empowered. There's nothing better to me in my heart than a changed life. Heavenly Father, I hope and I pray and I'm realizing there was one thing I did want to share, and if, if you don't mind me running a little over today, let's, I want to share something here. Hang on a moment. This may take a minute or two to read, and I'll, we'll, we'll get through communion quickly. A friend of mine posted this the other day. He's a fellow clergyman, a bishop, and, and I saw this and I said, man, I've got to share it with you. I can't believe I almost forgot this, but I think if anything will tie this together, it's going to be this. He goes on Tuesday, August 25th in the year 2020 at about 4.30 in the afternoon. I laid down on my bed, just exhausted and began to pray. As I quieted my mind and began to focus on God, I was transported seemingly into a dimension that seemed to be outside of time and space. While the totality of what happened next is beyond words, I was determined to immediately write down my experience to be accurate and have a written record of this encounter. While my eyes were closed, I could suddenly see the face of what I believe was Jesus in the distance. And as his face grew closer, I became aware of his body on the cross. Within moments, I felt as I was being drawn in toward him until I was one with him on the cross. I felt the pain and the pressure of the nails that had been driven and the blood bubbling out of the wounds. It was then that I felt these words of the Lord telling me, the cup of my wrath is almost full. Unless your nation repents and turns back to me, the horsemen who now stand at the gate will be loosed. Tell my people to return to my principles, to repent of having ignored and broken my laws. Tell them to remember the examples I have given them of my love and my discipline. Tell them to remember how I warned and continue to warn Israel, generations past, that unless they repented, they would bring judgment upon themselves. At this point, a revelation of God's great love and compassion for his people and for all mankind swept over me. Biblical scenes and scenes from the world's past and present flashed before me like a fast-forwarding movie depicting how God had repeatedly exerted discipline in an overarching effort to influence people to return to him. In that moment of time, it seemed to leave me. I felt this overwhelming mix of emotions where it was impossible to describe. Mingled with God's breathtaking love for his people was his anger toward his people who had defiantly rejected his love and willfully disobeyed his law. Time seemed to stand still as I entered in some unspeakable way into the grief and into the longing for his people of God. The best description is a parent with a beloved yet obstinate and rebellious child with deep compassion and great patience. The parent seeks to change the destructive course of the life and pleads and reasons with the child, even exerting discipline in ever increasing severity, but to no avail. Finally, the only recourse left to the parent is to pull completely back and allow the full consequences of the child's ill-chosen life to be brought to bear. All at once, I felt the agonizing heartbreak that God has for his children and that fearful anger, the unbearable grief and the, 
the passionate love that God has toward his children. In that moment, it was like I was on the cross with Christ, the physical pain because of the consequences of sin. At the same time, I was overcome with God's love and his longing for his people to return to him in spite of the grief we have caused him. I felt told to warn the people of the coming destruction if we do not return in sorrow and humility to the ways of God. Again, in a moment, I witnessed the horror of the consequences of breaking God's law and forfeiting the life of joy and purpose intended for us. Scenes of brokenness, loneliness, destruction, and every kind of evil flashed before me with incredible speed, along with bitter emotions of those who must tragically reap the consequences of a life of disobedience. At the same time, I was mysteriously united with the heart of God and entered into his pain and longing. There are no words between us, just simply emotion that words can never describe. Time stood still. And then suddenly I, I was realized I'm just lying on my bed. I got up and walked in silence to the kitchen. It was about 6 p.m. My wife came in the door, took one look at me and said, what's wrong? What's the matter? Did somebody die? I sat down and slowly and hesitatingly, I began to recount the best I could of what had happened. I share all of this in the hope that we will heed our Lord's call to repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. After three years, this still is the most powerful encounter of Christ I've ever had in my life. And with our world at the brink of self-destruction and war, I pray that we can search our lives and hearts. That warning is for all of us. I'm glad my friend had that experience to share it. And I'm glad that we are witnesses to that. Heavenly Father, Turn our hearts toward home. Turn our eyes upon you. All of us need to come to your altar in repentance. All of us need your grace. All of us need your forgiveness. Father, may the words that we've heard today with our outward ears be grafted into our hearts. For this I ask in Jesus' name. And all the people said, Amen and Amen. This is Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman.
I hope that message meant something to you today. And I hope that maybe, maybe if you've been away for a while from, from God's family, you'll consider turning your eyes back upon Jesus. You know, I remember getting a, a letter, oh, maybe a few weeks back, and somebody was talking about this program and what I need to do, at least in their opinion, which is okay, that's your opinion. And they, they couldn't see any value in me sharing God's word or any value in any kind of preaching. They thought it was just, you know, it, we need more people talking about the politics. And I'm going to myself, no, you don't. There are plenty of people talking politics and politics will never save your soul. Politics will never save you from anything may make your life a little bit better, a little bit easier, but it's not your salvation. The Bible teaches that God's word never goes out and returns void. And St. Paul uses the term, the foolishness of preaching to the world, to those that don't know God, preaching is foolish. But it's not the power of Bob Bierman's preaching. It's the power of the Holy Spirit combined with the power of God's Word that works wonders on the hearts of those whose ears are open to receive. Now do you understand the real reason I do this program, Truth to Ponder? I will never solve the world's problems on a political basis. It's not going to happen. I've been voting for over 50 years. There's been Fox News since 1996, and you had all these voices out there. And where has it gotten us in 25 years? We are worse off today than 25 years ago, 10 years ago, 50 years ago, 100 years ago, and I don't see it getting better anytime soon. But the one thing we can do is gather as Christians around God's Word. Listen, do you believe in this ministry? I want to expand the podcast. I want to add more radio stations on shortwave. And I need your help. We don't sell any products. There's no paywall. We're not, you know, we don't have anything on the website to give you or sell you. We depend upon you. You can support us from the website using Give, Send, Go, a Christian organization. Or make a check or money order payable to Ancient Word Radio, Ancient Word Radio, Post Office Box 510, Post Office Box 510, Chilhowie, C-H-I-L-H-O-W-I-E, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. Once again, Ancient Word Radio, P.O. Box 510, Chilhowie, Virginia, 24319. This has been Truth to Ponder with Bob Bierman. To find out more, visit our website, Truth, the number two, and the word ponder.com. That's Truth, the number two, ponder.com. Truth to Ponder, shining the light of truth in a darkening world.